But I'm really excited for tonight. I'm really excited for this message. I'm really excited to wrap up this series. I believe that God is going to do some of the most important things that he's done so far in this series tonight um, if our hearts are open and, and willing to receive. Does that sound good? Fantastic. So fourth installment of Waves. Who's taking notes tonight? Show of hands. I'm taking, I'm grading you. But I grade you on a curb because Jesus graded you on a cross. Bam. I saw that on a t-shirt somewhere and I was like, really? Um, but yes, so tonight, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is this. I don't need a sippy break. We're fine. The title of the message is this. You ready? ready. Week four of Waves. The title of my message is this. Don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> Will you turn to your neighbor and let him know? Tell him, don't go chasing waterfalls. Now, would you turn to your second choice neighbor and plead with them and just say, please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to? Oh, man, we have fun here in church, don't we? Oh, it's real. It's heavy. We're going to go in tonight. I'm going to preach it like I feel it. Does that sound good? But write that down. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Mmm, a little tender love and care tonight. Okay. TLC, if you didn't get the joke. All right. If you got your Bibles, who's got a Bible tonight? Roll call. Who's got a leather back? Who's got a leather back? All right. So you guys got some mansions in heaven. Who's using a Bible device? Who's a little less Christian but is more like complacent? Okay, Bible device is all right. You prefer comfort over the actual word. I understand. We'll pray for you later. Good. All right. Hope you know I'm kidding. About that you're good. Like we're really going to pray over you later. Okay. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. I'm coming out of the NLT tonight, um, but we're going to get into it right here. Ready? Verse 22. Immediately. Somebody say Immediately. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples go back into their boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While well, he sent the people home, verse 23, after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Verse 24, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Verse 25, about three o'clock in the morning, whew, that's late, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Who needs to hear that tonight? Don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Is that a word for anybody tonight? It's a word for me. We've had a cruddy week, but God is good. Verse 28, then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Verse 29, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong and he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the Son of God, they explained. Fantastic. Before we go any further, I just want to pray over the message, and then we're going to get into it. Jesus, thank you for tonight, God. Thank you for your presence. I thank you that we're here in this place for one thing and one thing alone, God. It's not for awesome Instagram photos. It, it's not to talk, uh, talk about cool outfits. It's not even to eat donuts, God. It's not even because the AC is on. We are here for one reason one reason alone, and that's you, Jesus. We want to be changed from the inside out tonight. None of us are content being the Christian, the person, the man, the woman, the, the husband, the spouse, the brother, the sister, the family member, the son, the daughter. None of us are content being those things. We want to be more like you, Jesus, tonight, God. So we lay it all down right here, right now. Mess us up with the word of God tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, and faithful church said. Y'all like my water bottle? Stole it from my wife. 
Is that a joke because it's loud and yellow? All right, I get it. Oh. See, I was getting real introspective with it tonight, fam. Okay. Okay. I was going deep real quick. Um, but we kind of are because uh, last week we had a lot of fun. Last week was great. These, these last three weeks of, of waves have been incredible. The week one, man, we talked about Jesus healing this blind guy's eye. But before he healed him, he actually walked him out of his village, out of the place and the people he was known for and known by. And, and they only knew him by his hindrance, by his sickness, by his thing that held him back. That was week one. And so symbolically, man, if we were ready to leave our villages that night, we grabbed the hold of you. We pulled you out. We prayed over you. We left some villages behind. We torched them and we never looked back. Week two, we lost our ships. Title of the message was Losing My Ship. We talked about Paul and how faithful he was to what God had for him. And that part of that faithfulness was like believing the angel that God sent to him to say, hey man, you're going to lose your ship. You're going to lose some things. You're going to have to throw everything overboard. You're going to be shipwrecked. You're going to make it to Malta though and you're not going to lose a hair on your head. You're not going to lose a person, a slave, nobody on the ship. Everybody is there. It's going to make us safe. I need you to trust me. And so part of trusting God is, is leaving the conveniences and the, and the things of life that we hold on to. When lives are hard, when waves hit us difficultly, when waves come and they're bigger and badder and more harsher than they've ever been, we want to hold on to our ship or do we want to hold on to our Savior? That's what we talked about. And then last week, we talked about getting ready. Because if we're going to torch our village and we're going to leave our ships behind, we've got to get ready. We've got to be ready for what God wants to do. He has more in store for us. He has better and bigger, better things for us. But we have to start making some decisions that sets up God and the Holy Spirit for a win. We have to start making our lives and pivoting our lives and positioning our hearts and positioning ourselves to really receive from God, to really welcome it. And we're getting ready because we want to see revival. We want to grow in spiritual maturity. We want the platform. We want the jobs. We want the influence in this city. But we got to get ready for it first. And so tonight, title of my message literally has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But I want to tell you, don't go chasing waterfalls. Does that sound good? So it's going to be one of the most serious messages, but it's going to be like, it has nothing to do with anything. Maybe I'll work it in. We'll figure it out. But I love this verse because here is, here is Peter, here is the disciples. They're on this boat. And if you've been in church culture for probably any length of time, you have heard the phrase, ye of so little faith. You've probably heard this verse talked about Jesus walking on water, Peter's lack of faith, uh, making him fall, and, and all of these things. You've probably heard this before. Has anybody heard this Bible story before? Well, I want to look at it from a kind of a different angle, a different spin tonight, because I, I, I think it's better than maybe what we heard in the 90s. I think it might be better than what we heard about it in 2005. I think, I think it has some fresh word for us tonight out of this. Do you mind if we excavate that a little bit tonight, dig into the Word of God and find out what He has for us as we conclude waves? Does that sound good? So if you know anything about this verse, context is everything in the Bible. And moments before this, the reason Jesus said to go ahead of him and he was going to dismiss people is because Jesus had just gotten done feeding 4,000 people. Uh, and it says, actually, the Bible says, he's done it twice. One was 5,000 one was 4,000. He says, he fed 4,000 men and their wives and kids. So that's more than 4,000 people. We kind of get hung up on that number. We're like, wow, 4,000 is a lot. It's actually a lot more than that. God is good. It's always better. He's always bigger. He always does more than we think he is. It's really good. And so Jesus, he just gets done doing these things. He tells his boys, hey, go on ahead. In fact, he says, get in that boat, travel across the lake, make it there, and I'll catch up. I'm just going to send some people home because leaders always show up early and stay late, right? We learned that from Jesus. And so Jesus says, go, do this thing, yada, 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 and he is going to do this. So here's Peter, here's the disciples, and wouldn't you know it, the same boat, the same lake, the same travel thing that Jesus said, hey, go on ahead. I'll be right there. 
Because if we're looking at the scripture in context, we're kind of thinking, well, maybe, like, if, if Jesus would have been in the boat with them from the beginning, like, maybe the story would have been a little bit different. Maybe we never would have seen Peter jump out. Maybe we'd never seen a couple things happen. Uh, they would have just gotten safely through that storm immediately, and everything would have been fine. Maybe there wouldn't even been a storm there because the Savior was there, right? It's a word for somebody. Sometimes we don't have storms in life when we got the Savior. Sometimes a storm can come, but we don't even notice the light breeze that's coming across us because we're firmly planted in our Savior. Amen. And so here's this verse, and I love it. I love that Jesus doesn't always shield us from the storms in life. And in fact, Jesus actually tells us, hey, keep going. Hey, go. Don't just stay here where, where the miracles are happening. Don't just stay in this place where, where, where God is showing up and doing miraculous things. You have a job to do. You have another destination to go. And in order to get to where you need to arrive to, you might have to go through some things. You might have to experience some things. And I'm not saying that God has uh, ordained or called uh, all of the tragic and hard things that happen in this life and in this country and the things that happen in our personal lives. Not at all. That comes from the pits of hell. That's from the devil. He is coming at you. He came at us this week. The devil wants you dead, okay? But Jesus is saying, in order to get to where he has for you, what comes next? You might have to go through some storms. You might have to experience some shakiness. Your ship might get wrecked a little bit. But hold tight to your Savior because he's the only thing that's going to get you through it tonight. Does that sound good? And so here he is. And, and I think, I love this piece of scripture. I want to get into it because I think we get hung up on this scripture. I think we, I think we sit here and go, oh, this is about Peter's lack of faith. This is about, this is about Peter and, and how we need to have more faith than Peter. Peter just goes and chops off ears for Jesus and he's always boisterous and loud and he's always being dumb and he's obnoxious. Like, don't be a Peter. We heard this in church growing up. We heard this when we were younger. We heard this in youth ministry. Don't be like Peter. The problem with that is that Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, talking about Peter. So I want to tell you tonight that maybe, maybe he does want some audacity in the church. Maybe he does want some people who are willing to jump ship. Maybe he wants some people who are willing to say, Lord, whatever you call me to do, even if it's as ridiculous as it is, walking on water, I will do it. But that's not the point of this message. That's not the message I want to preach. The point of this message tonight is that I don't think it was Peter's lack of faith that caused him to sink. I think it was Peter's lack of faith in the right thing I think if you look at the story, and I'm not doubting what Jesus said. He said, oh, ye of so little faith. Don't get me wrong. Jesus said it. Peter's faith was, was lacking. But I don't think so much that it was lacking in, in volume or in how much that he had, but maybe it was lacking because of where he placed his faith. You see, if we look at the story, they had just got done feeding 4,000 plus human beings. How many of you have ever been in a church service? Like tonight, like worship was lit up in here and we were so excited. It was heaven come, do your thing, man. That song about mercy triumphing over judgment, that comes from the book of James. I had some people question that one time and I was like, come at me. It's in there, the book of James. Jesus, brother, he said it. Mercy does triumph over judgment. Judgment happens, but mercy is far more abundant. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Amen. I love that song. So you're an experience, right? And Jesus is there. The presence of God is there. Maybe it was at a youth camp. Maybe it was at uh, when you were younger. Maybe it was a service like tonight. Maybe it was at a conference. I don't know. But man, you had that experience with God where you were like, I'm ready. We were just talking about it last week. We were just getting ready, but I was ready. I left with a fire underneath my butt with something in my soul to say, and I had some good news to tell some people, and that lasted about two weeks. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Because here's Peter. Here's the disciples. They just got done feeding 4,000 plus people. You best believe the presence of God was thick in that field. Thick enough to split a little boy's lunch and feed the multitudes. They saw some pretty incredible things that night. 
And yet, like most of us, like a lot of our lives, we can have that crazy, insane experience with Jesus. And how many of you know all it does is take the wrong person to cut you off in traffic and you find yourself in a storm leading that prayer meeting, leaving that conference, leading that, leaving that church night, leaving that service, leaving that small group, whatever it was where you had a radical encounter with God where you felt like you could take on the world. All it took was one little thing, like a storm. When Jesus Christ, who was fully man and fully God, all at the same time, told you to get in that boat and go through that lake, fully knowing what you would get through, fully knowing that he had you, fully knowing that your trust was not misplaced, your faith, your belief, all of it was right to be placed in Jesus. Yet, for a lot of us, it's probably the human condition more than anything. We can leave those meetings and we can leave those situations and we can leave where we see miracles and feet grow and leg grow and, and backs be corrected and all these things. We can leave those moments where the Holy Spirit is so thick in the place and he tells you your destiny, he tells you your calling, he talks to you directly saying he's got more for you, man. You get so built up, you're so ready, you're so feeling it. And then it takes something like a little storm to throw you off. And the reason I say little storm is this. Peter was a fisherman. Did you know that? Did you know Peter was a fisherman? Did you know that Jesus' ministry lasted three years? That if we're in verse, what, uh, 14, this might be like a year and a half into Jesus' ministry? So that means that Peter had how many years on the water in comparison to how many years he had following Jesus and seeing miracles? Are you catching me tonight? Familiarity is everything in this thing. Because Peter, who has gone with Jesus for probably about a year and a half, we don't know that. We're just, you know, don't at me on Twitter and email me about how this is wrong. I'm just saying we can surmise that he had spent some time with Jesus, but clearly it's not at the end of Jesus' ministry yet. So it's probably somewhere in between two and three years, right? But, gee, but Peter, he was a fisherman where he would have spent night after night, day after day, out on a boat, out on a lake, and he has probably experienced more than his fair share of storms, more than his fair share of hardships, more than his fair share of batting down the hatches and getting everything together and, 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 and tying up what he had to tie up and all these things. He's been prepared. He's been in the thick of it before. He's done these things. Isn't it funny that, this isn't even my notes, but I'm kind of thinking about it right now. Isn't it kind of funny that after we have a radical encounter with Jesus, a really insane encounter with Jesus, that we get this fire in our belly and we get ready to go and we're like, you know what? My marriage is going to be better. You know what? My finances are going to be better. You know what? I'm going to give and I'm going to show up and I'm going to serve and I'm going to build this church and I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to tell everybody at my workplace and in my cubicle about Jesus. We're going to do this thing, right? It's in those moments of that high that the devil gets you to doubt the most. when God is doing the most in your life that he's able to sneak in and with that what if in the back of your mind. Inception. That little what if. What if it doesn't come through? What if your marriage doesn't get better? What if you start serving and church doesn't grow? What, what if you talk to your, your coworkers and they start making fun of you? What if, what if, what if? And so here's Peter who has been in probably hundreds of storms at this point in his life. He has been out on these same waters. He has fished these waters. He has broken nets in these waters. And yet, he just saw God do the most miraculous thing that he ever would probably see him do because that's no easy task. I, for me, I, if I was a picture of somebody feeding uh, 4,000 plus people off a sack lunch, that blows my mind far more than a leg growing. <laughs> just saying, maybe you're different, but that's me. And here it is. Peter's lack of faith. 
In fact, all of the disciples, they start tripping out. They think it's a ghost. They just spent time with Jesus. They've been doing ministry with Jesus, life with Jesus. They've been in proximity with Jesus. They've seen him do his things. They know that he is the Messiah. And they just did this huge, awesome thing with him. And it's in this moment, the first storm out the gate, after their radical encounter with Jesus, the first time they had a little bit of turbulence, first time a little wave came their way, first time the, star, the, the, the skies got black and the stars were not out and lightning cracked. Bars. Doubt came in. And so I see this verse a little bit differently than maybe we've talked about before, maybe that church has talked about before. See, I don't think it was Peter's lack of faith in terms of not having much of it or a little faith, I think it was Peter had a lot of faith, but he put it in the wrong thing. You see, he just came from a radical encounter with Jesus, a radical thing where he saw him do the miraculous. And the second he had a little bit of turbulence and all of these things, they freaked out, they lost their mind, and it took Jesus actually getting closer to them. How many of you guys know tonight that when you're in the middle of a storm, God's actually going to draw close to you? It might seem like he's far off. It may, not, it may seem like he's not doing anything. But even when it seems like God's not doing anything, how many of you know God's silence is still God doing something? He is always up to something. Amen. And so here's Peter, and he, Jesus gets a little bit closer, and like, yo, that's Jesus. Like, we're in the wind, we're in the waves, but if God is here, why are there winds, and why is there waves, and, and why is this going on? And Jesus goes, yo, I'm here. Take courage. Take it. That implies Christians, young person, old person, married person, whoever you are, if you're following Jesus, there are some things in this life that we actually have to reach out and grab hold of. Just because Jesus is there, the presence of God is there, doesn't mean that we have the courage or we have the peace. There are some things in this life that we actually need to, not referencing Peter here, but step out our boat and take a hold of something. Amen. He says, take courage. I'm here. And so Peter, he gets, this, he gets this word. He's like, take courage. Okay, okay, I'm a little excited now. All right, Jesus is here. Woo, my boy's here. Help me know when you're in a fight and when your homie shows up, you're like, all right, it was two on one, but I got it now. My homie's here. We're good. No, nobody else has been in a fight. I'm a sinner. Got it. Okay. Well, let me tell you, when you're in a fight and you pick at the wrong guy or they pick it with you and it turns out they got two or three of their pals, but you got one guy that shows up and you just know like, all right, it's going down. We're probably going to lose this fight, but we're going to leave an impact. It's going to be awesome. Bad example. Got it. But when Jesus shows up, he gets a little bit of excitement. He gets a little bit of courage. He grabs hold of that, and he's like, yeah, Jesus is here. He just said 4,000 people. You know what? Cool. Jesus, you're here. You're walking on water. Whoo! Tell me. Can I come out the boat? And Jesus is probably like, what? What? And he was like, you were, just, you were just freaking out in the middle of the storm just a minute ago. You were just freaking out, and, and you guys were just, I set you on this boat. I set you on this journey. I called you to this place, to this city, to this people group, to this time in 2018. I called you to this relationship. I called you to these people. And the second a little bit of turbulence came in your life, you start freaking out. And now you want to walk on water? You're a little big for your britches, eh, boy? Anybody parents ever say that to them? Mine did all the time. A little big for your britches. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's one of those things your parents say. You're like, I have no clue. And here it is. And, and Jesus goes, yeah, come. Come hang out. I am Lord above it all. I am, I am, I am him who is and is to come. I am Jesus. And I sent you on this boat and I sent you on this journey. I sent you amongst these waters and I knew full well what you would encounter. And I am here so you can take courage. Come on out, Peter. And it actually says that Peter begins to walk 
on water. He begins to walk on water. Maybe he took one step. Maybe he took two steps. Maybe he took three steps. But he walked. And it says that as Peter's gaze began to shift from Jesus to the storm and the waves colliding around him, the ruckus coming up against the ship, they were in the perfect storm, the eye of the storm. They were in it, friends. It says that his gaze began to shift off of Jesus and back onto the waves and onto the storm and into the lightning, into the cracks. You see, friends, I, I, I doubt very much that it was the volume, the measurement, the weight, the how much faith that Peter had. In fact, I think he, Peter just placed his thing, his faith in the wrong thing. I think when his eyes shifted off Jesus, it wasn't because he took his eyes off Jesus that he lost faith. It was that he has been with Jesus for about a year and a half or however long, give or take, you want to say he's been with Jesus, but he's been in a hundred plus storms and when his eyes shifted to the storm, friends, he knows the damage that's going to cause. He knows what's going to happen when that storm comes up against his ship, when it comes up against his boat, when a cancer comes to his house, when death comes to his family, when relationships in, when the storm comes around you, he's been in that storm, experienced those storms more than he's been with Jesus. And so his faith in Jesus, yes, he just saw him feed 4,000 plus people and to put the cherry on top. He saw Jesus walk on water and to put another cherry on top because two cherries are better than one cherry, puts two cherries on top. He actually tells Peter, you can get out the water, you can get out the boat, you can walk on water with me. All the faith in the world should have been there. I reckon that it was. But you know what I think was as much there as faith? I think it was familiarity. I think familiarity with the storm, with the water, with the waves, with, this, with the wind and the, and the lightning and the thunder. Being in the middle of deep sea, he's been here before. How many times has he lost his ship? How many times has he been shipwrecked? How many times has he lost his whole day's hustle of fish before? His whole entire pay, everything that he brought in, how many times has he gone bankrupt, so to speak, because of a storm? You see, it wasn't, it wasn't Peter's lack of faith because he put more faith in what the storm could do because of his familiarity with the storm. I haven't met Jesus for a minute. He sent me out for a minute. We've been together for like a year. We've been doing great things for like a year, but I know these storms. I know these waters. I've sailed this before. I've been in this kind of relationship. I've been in this kind of church. I've been in this kind of financial difficulty. I've been in this. My marriage has been like this for too long. This is another thing. This is another thing. And I've seen these storms and I've seen it fail and I've seen it wreck my entire life time and time again. And so the reason, uh, the reason Peter began to sink tonight, friends, isn't lack of faith. It was the fact that he put that faith in something else other than his Savior. Because he began to see the wind and the storm and the waves bigger, badder, greater, more able to cause, to able to cause more destruction than Jesus could bring clarity and peace to the situation. He is the God who is above every storm of life, every wave that can come at you, every single wave. We talked about a week one. Every wave, every village, every ship is beneath his feet. You are in the palm of his hand, Psalm says. Psalm says he has marked you. He has you tattooed, etched in the palm of his hand. He's got you. And everything else that you try to hold on to, everything else that comes to threaten you, everything else that aims for your head is directly below his feet. As Adrian says, it is below his heels. There's nothing the devil can, hell can do. There's nothing man can do. There's no sickness that can enter your body. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, and he is able. Amen. So how do we get out there among the waters? How do we do these things, and how do we stop from putting our faith in the wrong things? 
That's the question, isn't it? If we're getting ready, then how do we keep our faith in Jesus? If we left our village and if we lost our ship and we were getting ready for what God wants to do next in our life and we're growing in our spiritual maturity, we're making decisions based on what Christ actually said and not just what churches have told you, but we're making decisions based off Jesus and the Bible. It has no affiliation to political parties. It has no affiliation to, to countries. It has no affiliation to where you grew up. It has no affiliation to your neighborhood or your family or your parents' mistakes. There is absolutely no generational curse, no alcoholism, no drug abuse, none of these things that can overcome the word and name of Jesus. His word stands forever. It does not go out and return void. No, Jesus' name is above every single other name. So how do we keep our faith? because I'm out here in the waves and man, there are kids in basically concentration camps and they haven't been returned yet. So I can't turn on the news. I can't go on Twitter. I can't look at a newspaper. I can't do any of this because it's just depressing as can be. Man, my girlfriend, she's upset with me because I'm, I'm, I'm depressed and all I want to do is talk about these things and all I want to do is talk about how the world is going and I just want to rant on Facebook and I just want to do these things. Man, the world is too much. Man, I just got my hours cut at work. And that sucks because I have a kid. I'm a single mom and I just got my hours cut at work. And, and you know what sounds good right now? A drink. Do you know what sounds good right now? Going to the bar, lighting up a J, and having a good night because I need to leave these cares behind. That is the most beautiful sound. 100%. 100%. I got waves. And so instead of going back to my things that have plagued me, instead of going back to my comfort zones, instead of putting my gaze back on the issues at hand and the world at hand and the storms at hand, the waves at hand, how do I keep faith on Jesus to continue to walk, to continue to have the, the, the wherewithal to, to not lose my head in these situations? How do I stop myself from going backwards to my ships and to my villages? How do I stay ready? How do I keep getting ready? How do I push in further into what God has for me? It's this, James 4. James 4, 6 through 7 says this. And he gave grace generously. No, no, it's even better than that. I just botched that. It's better than that. How many of you love when the Bible is actually better than you thought it was? And he gives grace generally. He gives, which means he keeps giving. It's not a one-time deal. He keeps giving you grace and generously. It overflows in your life. He says he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. The reason I think we put, keep putting faith in the things that aren't actually able to fix us, aren't actually able to sustain us, aren't actually able to smooth the waters that we find ourselves on and cool the rapids that are coming against our homes and our lives. The reason we're not able to keep faith on Jesus is I wonder if he's given you grace generously, the grace overflows generously. That means the ability to resist is there generously. I wonder out of our familiarity with our storms and the familiarity of our villages and the familiarity of our ships that have gotten us this far in life before we met Jesus, I wonder if our familiarity with the waves causes us to not resist the waves, but actually more often than not resist the word of God, the presence of God, the people of God, 
because we're so familiar and we're so comfortable in our ways. We've been riding these ways for a minute. We've been in this for a minute. We've been with Jesus for a year and a half, two years. I, my marriage has been saved for one year, for two years. And the second I found out this, the second this came up, whatever it may be, man, I'm hitting rocks. Our marriage is rocky. Our finances are rocky, whatever it may be. I'm holding on in my day and day life, just not trying to have a drink. My student loans are above my head. What's the point of even going to college if I'm going to get out and I can't even live? I can't even buy a house because my student loans are crippling. I have these waves. But because of our familiarity with the waves, we don't actually resist the devil. We probably haven't even read this verse. It says, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Did you know that means if you can resist the waves, you can have peace? That if you can resist, resist the waves, you can have stability. That it means if you don't give in to what the undertow is telling you to give in to, you can, it will flee from you. The undertow has to go because you are a son and you are a daughter of the Most High God. These waves are not only uh, placed underneath Jesus' feet while he is sitting at the right th hand of the, uh, of the throne of God. No, no, no. These waves are underneath your feet. You can resist them. You can stay. They have to go. They have no place, no purpose, no allowance to continue to smash into you in your life. You have the ability to resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Worship team, you can begin to make your way up as we begin to land this bird. Is this good for anybody tonight? Yeah. I think the reason we don't resist the waves is because a lot of us have actually made friendships with the waves. We've had a relationship with a wave for a very long time. And in fact, we've seen a wave in our life, a storm in our life, a situation in our life, a vice in our life, a guy in our life, a girl in our life, hello, be more consistent than we've seen Jesus be. And it's not because Jesus isn't consistent. Again, it's because we've had more years with this girl, more years with this guy, more years with this problem, more years with this vice, more years in the waves than we've had with Jesus. And so our familiarity is there. How can we possibly resist in this life if we've only seen God move so much in a couple years or in a couple things? Or in a short amount of time, we've been with Jesus. I've only been with Jesus for a month. I don't know what the Word of God says. I didn't know Hillsong was a worship band. I never heard the song, It Is Well. How do I stay? How do I flee? How do I, how do I resist the ways and the temptation for the undertow to carry me away? How do I keep my head above the waves? I think it comes back to that taking courage. Because when Jesus shows up, if you're a Christian, if you have given him the lordship of your life, if he's not, we've said it a lot here at church, but if he's not lord of all, he ain't lord at all. If we have given him the lordship of our life, we have submitted every area to him. We have said, God, here is my life. Here's my marriage. Here's my addiction. Here are my waves. Here is my pride. Here is my glory. Here is my generosity. Here is my surrender. Here is my love, my mercy, my grace, everything. That means the presence of God is with you. It's no longer you that lives, but Christ that lives through you. That means you have the ability in this life. You are a son. You are the daughter. You have power because of who you are, because of who your father is, because of the kingdom and the place that you belong to now, that when Jesus shows up in your life, you can take 
courage. You can resist the devil. The temptation to go into the waves to just give in, man. They're hitting and I might as well just get drifted out to sea. I've been out there before. I've drank the salt water before. I've been out there. I've been washed by the waves, man. And there's comfort and there's familiarity, familiarity. We've made friendships with these stars, but God is saying to flee. He is saying to resist. He is saying that you can take courage amongst the waves and know that Jesus is good, that he is Lord above every single wave in your life, friends. I don't know, maybe God does want to say to some people tonight, don't go chasing waterfalls. Maybe stick to the river in the spring of life, the wellspring of life that is Jesus Christ. Maybe don't run back to what you're used to. Waterfalls are beautiful. They look good from a distance. They look great to walk underneath for a minute. You wouldn't want to live underneath a waterfall. You wouldn't want to make a house in a waterfall. You couldn't. Are things in our lives, there are waves in our lives, there are seas in our lives that we have been familiar with for far too long, and that we are a son and we are a daughter of the Most High God. The waves are underneath our feet because He says they are. The chains are off, the freedom is here. You have the ability to resist, and some of us tonight have to make the decision from this moment, from this night forward. I'm not waiting for tomorrow, I'm not waiting for next Sunday, I'm not waiting for my hustle to come through and for me to have more money in my bank account. I'm not waiting till He pleads and pledges with me that he's never going to step out on me again. No, I'm going to resist the devil starting tonight and I'm not going to leave my marriage. I'm going to pray for my husband. I'm not going to I'm not going to quit my job and, and, and drink myself to death in alcohol. No, I'm going to accept what's going on. I'm going to ask God for guidance for a better job out there. I'm going to get my hours. I'm going to feed my kid. I'm going to glorify my God. Amen. I'm not going to give in to my addiction. No. I'm not going to go chasing after the things of this world. No, I'm going to be renewed by the transformation of my mind. The waves have no place in my life. I'm a Christian. I'm a son and daughter. I'm a Jesus follower. It's more than Facebook status for me. Facebook status will get crumpled by the ways, but no, I'm a Christian. I am a Jesus follower. I am a little Christ. I am a son. I am a daughter. And I have the ability to withstand any waves, any temptation that comes for me to gaze off into my storms. I might have years in my past with my waves and with my storm, but I have got a future that is secured and an eternity lasts forever with my Savior. Amen. The only familiar I need is going forward. Amen. So would you stand? We're going to get ready to worship tonight. Guys, what song are we doing? I surrender. That's purpose. Some of us tonight, we didn't know we had the ability to resist. And in fact, because of our familiarity with the waves, we have surrendered to the waves. But our Savior is saying he is above it all. He is Lord of it all. He is out here amongst the waves and he offers us the opportunity to believe him for bigger and better things than we've seen before. Bigger and better things than we've seen in the world before. Bigger and better things than we've seen in our government before. Bigger and better things than we've seen in our marriage before. No matter how old you are, 40, 50, 20, 19, 
whatever's behind you up until this night, God has more for you. Your best days are actually still ahead of you and you have the ability going forward to resist the devil. He has to flee from you. He has no real estate in your home, in your marriage, in your student loans, on your campus, in your workplace. He has no real estate. He has no place. He cannot set up shop in your life. He has to go. Amen. And so we're going to start tonight. We're going to resist in our surrender to our Savior tonight. Adrienne, Dave, myself, we're going to be up here. I'm going to move this right now. We're going to be up here. We're not going to put a microphone in your face. We're not going to make you do anything weird. But so much in our Christian journey, on our faith journey with Jesus, so much of our life, there's something when we take that step in the natural that seems to solidify something in our soul, that seems to shift things in the supernatural. It's why we fast. It's why we give. It's why we do these things in the natural to see the supernatural unlocked in our lives. And so we're going to be here, the three of us. If you got something you want to surrender tonight, if you got some waves you want to pray about tonight, if you got a situation with a spouse, if you got some addiction habits, if you got some things in your life that have put up shop in your life, but it has no real estate and you want to see that gone, the rest of us, we're going to lift up our hands. We're going to worship. This is an incredible song. Even if you don't know it, I want to encourage you to lift up your hands right where you are and just give your all to God tonight. But nobody is judging you. We are open to everything. It's anonymous. I mean, we know you, but we ain't going to go spread it on Facebook or in the DMs. It stays right here. And it dies right here. And it folds right here. And the waves settle right here. And the storm stops right here. Amen. And peace begins right here. So even if you don't know us, if it's your first time tonight, we love you. We're glad you're here. Welcome home. Even if you don't come back, I'm going to find you. We're going to hang out because I want to make sure that God's best is still ahead of you in your life. But let's start tonight right here. I surrender. And let's pray. And let's believe. And let's see God shift some things tonight. Let's see freedom come tonight. Let's see real estate sold back to the kingdom of God tonight because the devil can't stay. He has to go. Amen. And we're going to take courage. We're going to take hope. We're going to take peace. Whatever we left, whatever we came in lacking with tonight, we're going to take it right here, right now, tonight. Amen. Jesus, we surrender tonight. It's summertime. It's 100 degrees outside. We're in Grand Rapids, Michigan, God. There are plenty of people and situations and places vying for our time, vying for our allegiance, God. Vying for our hearts and our souls and for real estate in our lives, Jesus. And it's just not available, not anymore, not tonight. This summertime isn't going to be one that's marked of mistakes, God. Or of not being in church, God. Or of starting relationships and ending relationships on a weekly basis, God. No, this is the summer where I begin resisting. This is the summer, God. This is the July where I start seeing the fruits of Spirit live and well in my life and full of fruit in life, Jesus. As I fall down. This is the summer, God, of surrender. Jesus, I just thank you for every single person in this place, God, wherever they're at, with every head bowed and eye closed in just this moment.
a lot of different thoughts on an altar call. And I don't care about any of them. It would be remiss of me as a pastor, as a brother, as a friend, as a Jesus follower to allow you to leave here tonight without giving you the opportunity to solidify this change in your eternity, but more than that, you're here and you're now. John 10, 10 says, the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I, Jesus, God, I am, the Holy Spirit has come so that you can have life and life to the full. If you're sick of having a less than full life, if you're sick of having a very little life, if you want to have life and life to the full tonight for the first time, for the real time, for the first time in a long time, if you want to mark this night and go forward with Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, there's two prayers I'm going to pray. One right now, if you got some things in your life and you haven't made him Lord of, but tonight you want to make him Lord of those areas, maybe he's been Lord of your life before, but maybe there's some things in your life that you've tried to hide, try to keep to yourself, try to have in your own place, how you think they should be run, but not how God thinks they should be done. If that's you, would you just put your hand up? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's judging you tonight. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand too. I see that hand. I see that hand. Just hands up all over this place. You can put those hands back down. Then what I want to do is I want us all to pray out loud. We're going to do two prayers tonight, but this first one right now, we're purposing this out right now. So not just those people who raise their hand, not those just brave people, God, but the rest of us tonight, church. Let's lift up our voices, repeat after me, say, Jesus, whatever it is that I just lifted my hand for, whatever it is that I've tried to keep hidden, for myself, whatever desire, whatever worry, whatever fear, whatever insecurity, I hand it over right here, right now. I wasn't made to carry that, to own that, to be labeled by that, to find my identity in that. It's yours. I am a son. I am a daughter. You're my father. This is your house. In Jesus' name, I lay it down. Amen. And then for anybody else tonight, maybe this has been weird for you. Maybe you've never been to church before. I don't know what your situation is or your history is. But if you're in this place tonight, you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. Or maybe you have, but your, weak, your relationship has gotten weaker and it's been distanced and you haven't seen him in a long time and you haven't talked to him in a long time. You haven't even thought about God in a long time because you've been busy out in the ways living life. If that's you tonight, if you want to take Jesus up on his offer to have this relationship with you, he has already started it with you. He has been pursuing you since day one before you ever entered this world, man. He knows the hair on your head. He has formed you. He has shaped you. He has been pursuing you. Every gift, every good part about you has come from Jesus. He has been pursuing you this entire time. If that's you tonight and you want to take him up on that offer to have a real relationship with him, not just on Sundays, not just at Bible study, not just at cruise, but every single day to every single moment, from every high to every low, every single moment of your life a relationship with Jesus. I can start right here, right now. Would you just put your hand up? There's nobody looking around. Nobody's judging. This is for you. Between you and God alone. Yeah, I see that hand. You brave, brave soul. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Yeah, I see that hand. 
that all of us once again purpose these words in your heart. The devil has had too much time in your life. Your mind has been the devil's favorite playground for far too long. He has got better for you. God has got more for you and it can start right here tonight. So as one church family, we are not going to single you out. Instead, like a great army rising up, we are all going to lift our voices. We're going to this, pray this prayer together and we are going to solidify this change tonight that goes back and gives purpose to your past and purpose to your pain, but secures your future, makes your gifts valid, your dreams valid, and gives you an eternity with God, with Jesus, with peace, with hope, with the Holy Spirit tonight. Somebody say, Jesus, I give you my life. The good, the bad, the hurting, the darkness, the things that I don't ever acknowledge, the things that I don't even speak about things that I never bring up in my own mind. Every hurt, every insecurity, every single place in my life, God, that I've come up short in. Every single place in my life that I'm proud of, every achievement. You're making all things beautiful right here, right now. I am beautiful. I am not a mistake. I am not a label. I am not a happenstance of society. No, I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm not an outcast. I belong. I am home. Right here. Right now. Never going back. I'm free from this moment. Forward. In Jesus' mighty name, if you believe, would you make some noise for those brave people? Make some noise! Jesus! I think a lot of us have had some long roads in life. Don't worry, we're, we're getting ready to wrap up. We've got icy pops and good food to have after service, so stick around for the after party. But I think for a lot of us, it has some long roads to get to this moment, this moment of surrender, whether it was the things in our lives that we try to keep to ourselves or the actual relationship with Jesus, to think that we could do this life on our own. That long road isn't determined by your years in church or in your age or how long you supposedly been walking with God, or how long you've been walking with the world, with the waves, with your vices, how deep in the ocean you've got. But I can tell you that that long road ends tonight for every single one of us. Look around, friends. I know it's summertime, so we got summer numbers in church, but guess what? Who was supposed to be here was here tonight. Who was supposed to receive is here tonight. And look around. This ain't everybody, but this sure is your family starting tonight. Every single one of us. This is our God. This is our church. This is our home. There is freedom. There is liberation. There is not judgment. As you are exactly where you need to be, 
And the devil's going to come at you. He's going to make you feel like tonight was emotionalism. He's going to make you feel like you can doubt your encounter with God, the word you got from God tonight. He's going to come at you. In those moments of doubt, take courage. Resist the devil. He will flee. He has to go. He cannot stay. If you don't want him there, he ain't there. If you want to be free, you're free. So let's leave here tonight in freedom and liberation. Amen. And let's take it to the streets this week. Let's go to our classrooms. Let's go to our workplace. Let's go to our families. Let's go wherever we go. Whatever bar we find ourselves in or coffee shop we're in or restaurant or park that we're in, let's go. Let's bring Jesus. Let's bring hope. Let's bring love. Let's bring those people that we encountered at the church with us. Let's bring this hope to the hopeless, to the people who need it the most.